Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today, our weekly study analysis of the Parsha with an emphasis trying to draw contemporary lessons and ideas to inspire our lives in a very real way. I want to thank our generous series sponsors for the year, our dear friends Becky and Avi Katz and family in loving memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, our learning should be Lilu Nishmas, David Ben Menachem Manish. Also this morning, Shir is sponsored by Avi Grissom in honor of his loving and amazing wife, Tamar, and their beautiful children. Eliana Pesha and Rafi on the occasion of their seventh anniversary. Very happy anniversary. And by the Begalizen family, Zechar Nishma Shimon David Ben Yaakov Shlomo Begalizen, the 20th Yurit site of his murder in the 9 11 attacks. I believe this is the 20th Yurit site. This is the Hebrew date of the 9 11 attacks. It's Neshama Shalavan Aliyah, together with all those who were murdered on that uh, terrible day. And lastly, by Naomi Belazan, a memory of her father, Shmuel Mander, for his year site. Thank you to Mrs. Belazan. Thank you to all of our sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor a future shear, you can go to birasonline.org slash sponsor, birasonline.org slash sponsor. With that, we begin Parshas Nitzavim, page 1086 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash, 1086. We are in the home stretch of Chumash. Atem Nitzavim, ayom kuchem, lefnei Hashem alokeichem, rashechem, shivteichem, ziknechem, shotrechem, Kol Ish Yisrael, you are standing here today, all of you, before Hashem, your God. And then the Torah delineates who are all of you, who are these people. Roshechem, the heads of your tribes. Ziknechem, your elders. Shotrechem, your officers. Kol Ish Yisrael, everyone, you are all together, you are all standing there. It's a very, very interesting opening pasuk. First of all, Hayom, Hayom, many already have said, describes Hayom as a reference to Rosh Hashanah. Hayom, Hayom, Haras Olam, Atem Hayom. We always read this parsha right before Rosh Hashanah. And there are many reasons which are given. We've shared and explored some of them together in the past. But it's interesting that we begin Kulchem. Who is standing before Moshe? Moshe is addressing Kulchem, all, collectively, a community, everybody, together. And then we spell it out, each one distinctly, Roshechem, Ziknechem, Shotrechem. And then we come back, we return to Kol Ish Yisrael. So we start with the whole, united, Kulchem. We then divide out the individual. We then come back to Kol Ish Yisrael, everybody together. And I think the significance, I think it's a very powerful message. And really, in many ways, it's the mission statement of the Jewish people, how we are to see ourselves. On the one hand, we are Kulchem. We are united. We are a community. On the one hand, we are a whole. We are a people. On the other, being a whole, being united, unity is not uniformity. Being united, being together, being whole does not mean erasing our differences. So we are able to be Roshechem, Shivtechem, Zeknechem, Shotrechem, Kol Ish Yisrael. We're able to be separate and apart, distinct and different, and at the same time see ourselves as Kulchem. They're not contradiction. The ability to maintain our individuality and yet simultaneously blend and integrate into a community is not a contradiction. Atem nitzavim. When are we upright? When are we standing? When can we endure and persevere? When we find that blend of Kulchem and Kol Ish Yisrael. We're not asked. That's the motto of the Boker Raton Synagogue, our shul, valuing diversity, celebrating unity. On the one hand, we value that diversity. We don't just tolerate it. You tolerate slow Wi-Fi. You tolerate a bad rash. You don't tolerate a fellow Jew. That diversity, the one who's different than you, is not just something tolerated. We value it. Valuing diversity. Torah goes on and it delineates these differences, these distinctions, because they matter. They're important. We're not all asked to be uniform. We're not asked to blend our attitude and our politics and our policies and our perspective. 
We have different personalities. We're different people. And we respect and we recognize. We value that diversity. We're richer and we're better for it. But we value diversity. We celebrate unity. That diversity to be united, to be unified, to be whole. Not to be uniform. Not to be uniform, but to be united. So when are we atem nitzavim ayom? When are we nitzavim? When do we stand strong? When can we stand and withstand any wind that comes our way? When we have that blend of kulchem and then kolish Israel. On the one hand, we're united. And on the other hand, we see our differences. We value our diversity, but we very much must celebrate our unity simultaneously. Very interesting. The hayom I mentioned was a reference to Rosh Hashanah, but more than that. The Vilna Gon the Grom makes a famous comment, famous because I happen to know it. The Vilna Gon the Grom makes a comment here on this opening Pasuk. Atemnitzavim Hayom. There are five days on the Jewish calendar where we are Nitzavim, we stand before God in judgment. Five days on our calendar that are designated that we re- reflect, introspect, we see ourselves as standing before Him, being evaluated, and we prepare and we make the argument for our worthiness. What are they? The two days of Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippur is three, Hoshana Rabbah, which has a din aspect, the Chazan wears a kittel, and we add a Psuke de Zimra of Shabbos or Yantif, and we use the Nusach, we use the tunes of the Yom Noraim, and Shemini Atzeres when we dive in Geshem, these five days. Said the Vilna Gon, says the Gra, these five days are alluded, they're hinted to, Atem Nitzavim Hayom. Atem Nitzavim, you are standing in judgment, Hayom, Hey, Yom. Five days. Two days of Rosh Hashanah, one day of Yom Kippur, Hoshana Rabbah, Shemini Atzeres. Add up those five days and Ha Yom Hey Yom. Five days we are Tamit Tavim. Five days we are standing before Hashem in judgment. Kulchem. And how do we survive? How do we persevere with Achtus? When we see ourselves as Kulchem, when we are united, we have our differences. In BRS, we have many, many minyanim on Yom Noraim. Most shuls do. We have different nusach. We have different minhagim. We have different expectations. We have different pace, different lengths of the minyan, different chazanam, different minhagim. And yet, kulchem. When are we nitzavim? When can we stand upright? When can we endure and persevere? When can we succeed in triumph and din, in judgment? When we are kulchem and when we are kol ish Yisrael, when we succeed in finding and meeting that blend between the two. That is the opening of the Parsha Nitzavim. We've studied in the past, we will not review, the contrast of our Parsha and next week's Parsha. We don't read it together as a double Parsha this week, but Nitzavim and Vayelech. Nitzavim is to stand, Vayelech is to go. Moshe Rabbeinu is Vayelech. Atem Nitzavim, but Moshe Rabbeinu is Vayelech. In next week's Parsha, we'll get to that maybe next week, Vayelech Moshe. He's still moving, the last day of his life, retired. It's over. He's hung them up. And yet, Vayelech, he continues to be on the move. But Nitzavim doesn't mean Omdim. The Malachim, the angels, are described as Omdim. But Rav Gifter describes, Rav Gifter Zatzal says, the word Nitzavim does not mean Omdim. It doesn't mean standing still. To be Nitzavim is, I, I picture, you know, I remember in Little League growing up playing baseball, when the Little League coach would tell you, you know, you're standing there at shortstop. You're standing in center field. If you let yourself go, and if you're just standing there like a big lump, if the ball's hit to you, you're not going to be able to react. Nitzavim means you got to crouch. you got to be in the poised position. you got to be ready to react. you got to be ready to jump. you got to be ready to move. So you could be standing, and both individuals, the person who's standing, whose muscles are all relaxed, who's tuned out, who's checked out, is a big lazy lump, is standing. And the person who is poised, whose muscles are engaged, who's crouched down, who's ready to move, is similarly standing. Neither of them are moving, both are stationary. 
But there's two different ways that you could be stationary. You could be omdim, or you could be nitzavim. Omdim are like the malach. Omdim stand still. We, the Jewish people, are called upon, says Rav Gifter, not to be omdim, to be nitzavim. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for whatever is going to be thrown our way. That's been our history. For 2,000 years, the Jewish people cannot afford to tune out, to check out, for our minds to wander. There have been people after us. The world is a complicated place for us to navigate. We never know what's coming our way. We are nitzavim. We are standing poised and ready to serve Hashem. Ready when we get the next call for our mission and the difference we're meant to make. We are nitzavim. We are poised and ready to be able to react. Continuing, Torah tells us, We are a people, children and progeny of Avon, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Not just us. Hashem is not just making this covenant, this promise, this deal with us alone. And those who are standing there that day and those who are not standing there that day. And we've discussed this in the past. We won't get into this now either. But what kind of a contract, what kind of a covenant is this? How could our ancestors have obligated us we weren't standing there. How can they bind us? How can they obligate us? We weren't alive. We weren't in existence. What right? How are they entitled to do that on our behalf? How did that work? You were familiar. You were there in Egypt. So this is a warning now. The Torah shifts. Moshe pivots to warn us. You're going into the land momentarily. The last day of Moshe's life. The end of Sefer Dvarim. The end of Chumash as we know it. You're about to go into the land of Israel. Now you know, because you lived in Egypt, you know, you've seen, you've experienced, you were in that land, that culture, saturated with idolatry, with corruption, with moral depravity. We lived among them. We saw those billboards on I-95. We witnessed, we watched the temptation, the desire. We saw the corruption. You saw their abominations. You saw their detestable idols. Eitz va'evan kesev v'zahav asher imahem. Their idols were made of wood and stone, of silver and gold. So you, that was you. You saw that. You lived among them. Maybe you assimilated. Maybe you changed your values. You absorbed the attitude of the host country. Maybe among you there's a man or a woman, a family, a tribe, whose heart is turning away from Hashem. Going to serve other gods. Maybe among you, there's a root flourishing with gall and wormwood. We'll see what that means in a moment. But first, what does it mean because we lived among the Egyptians and because we witnessed and saw their idols, all of a sudden now we have this harsh, harsh warning. Moshe is speaking very harshly, very intensely, very strongly. Let's finish. So maybe that individual who's drawn to, who's assimilated, who is connected with that idolatry, maybe when they hear the words of this curse, they'll bless themselves and they'll say, peace be with me, though I walk as my heart sees fit. I do what I want. I do what I want. You know, Judaism doesn't speak to me. Torah, not for me. I do, I pick and I choose and I do what I want. Thereby adding the watered upon the thirsty. Hashem will not be willing to forgive such an individual. Because Hashem's anger and jealousy will smoke against that individual. And this curse will fall upon them. And Hashem will erase their name. What is going on here? This section that warns us 
Don't fall prey to idolatry. Don't assimilate and integrate and mix into that host country, into their corrupt values and their moral, um, and their moral compromise. Why? Because you lived in Egypt. You saw it and you witnessed it. And therefore you were vulnerable to it. Rashi here says, We saw, we saw their disgusting behavior. The Egyptians were repulsive, like shkatsim. They were disgusting, they were low lives, they were repulsive, like shkatsim. They were repulsive, like shkatsim. Somebody just told me about a tzaddik who lived a couple decades ago in Brooklyn, a great, great tzaddik, a great chassid, a great rebbe, who wrote, and he said, the moral depravity that we're living far, far uh, outweighs what they went through in Egypt. What we see, what we witness, I've spoken about this, the average person who goes on the highway, what you see on the billboard, what you see in advertisements, what you see in the subway station, what you see in any newspaper, what you see in any attempt to remain briefed on the news, you cannot help what we see in our world today, the moral corruption, the moral compromise, the moral depravity that surrounds us, it's challenging. Mu'usim kishkatsim, it's repulsive, it's degrading. It's as disgusting as waste. The Grizz, Ravel Vosalavechik, the Briskorov wondered. And he said the following, So what? The fact that we lived among the Egyptians, why does that mean we'd walk like an Egyptian? The fact that we saw the way they were behaving, we were witness to their moral compromise and corruption, why does that mean that we were going to follow suit? Why do we need to be warned so intensely? Till the Torah tells us that you're going to be wiped out, you're going to be cursed, your name will be erased. If in fact they're so disgusting, they're so repulsive, they're so degrading, if in fact they're so terrible, wouldn't the person who sees them, if they were repulsed, wouldn't they be pushed away? Wouldn't they draw back away from them? So why do we need to be warned? So the Grizz, the Briskorov, said a phenomenal and fantastic and critically important insight. He said we can learn from here a Yisod Atzim. We see a critical core foundational principle. The way that we are comprised, the psyche of the human being, the way Hashem designed and programmed us is that what we see leaves an indelible impression upon us. What we witness, what we observe, what we see, that image embeds itself in our consciousness. We cannot underestimate the impact, the fantasy, the thoughts, the distraction, the desire, even if we would never follow in that way, even if we would never emulate that individual. But now that we know it's possible, now that it's part of our active imagination, now that it's part of our active consciousness, because we've seen it, we've witnessed it, we're familiar with it, we've been exposed to it, we know it, now it leaves an impression on our heart. It contaminates our soul, so much so that something needs to be done. So you're right, just because we lived in Egypt and we witnessed their moral depravity means we're vulnerable to it? What are you talking about? It's moose, it's disgusting, it's degrading, it's repulsive. We would be repulsed by it. The answer is, even if you're repulsed by it, it nevertheless now becomes part of your mind, part of your memory, part of your consciousness. It now becomes a fixture in our contaminating our soul, so much so that something needs to be done. In this case, Moshe making a harsh statement about what the consequence would be. That's the insight of the Briskorov. When Rav Druk expands on the Briskorov, he points out a famous insight shared by many others. 
The Torah, Parshas Naso, has a smichus parshios. Right after the story of the Sota, the wayward woman, the woman who has infidelity, or is accused of it against her husband, she's brought to the Besamikdash in front of the Kohen, her hair is uncovered, she drinks from this concoction, this recipe, this mixture, and if in fact she was guilty, then she explodes, she dies a horrific, graphic death. So does the Baal, so does the man with whom she had the infidelity, by the way. He's not present with her, but when she drinks, he suffers the same consequence as her. And the Torah tells us, right afterwards we have in Parshas Nasa the laws of the Nazir. The individual takes a vow of abstinence not to drink wine. So why do we have the Parsha of Nazir right next to Sota? Why are they adjacent? Why are they juxtaposed to one another in the Parsha? So the Gemara tells us in Sota Daf Beis famously, Lamanis Macha Parshas Sota, Parshas Nazir La Parsha Sota, Lomar Lachata Telashikolaroa Sota, Bekilkula Yazer Atzva Minayayin. Because if you knew that woman, and you heard about the accusation, and you read, you learned, someone told you that in fact she died because she had violated her husband's trust. Now you need to, you need to react, you need to do something. Now that you know that, you need to do something to remove that stain, to, uh, to erase that contamination, to elevate yourself from the impact of that knowledge. The question is why? You didn't cheat. You're not the one who violated the trust of your spouse. So why do you need to do something so radical as Yazir Atzma Menayayin? And the answer is, because even when you're not following in those footsteps, even if you're not going to cross that boundary or that line, the very fact that you know, that you saw, that you've learned, that you've been exposed, that it's part of your consciousness, your mindset, your mentality, that you know that someone who did it, who's capable of it, that needs to be addressed. One needs to lift themselves from it. And he continues that inside the Briskorov on our Parsha, this Pasuk about, even though we were exposed but nevertheless, you need to take an act to distance yourself. And similarly, the Nazir has to do something radical, something significant to overcome the urge, the instinct, to overcome the consciousness, the image of the Sota. Similarly, in the Pasuk, Torah tells us in, in Sefer Vayikra, Perik Yutes, Parshas Kedoshim, we give Musa, we have to give rebuke. When you love a fellow person, you give them rebuke. Rebuke is a very biblical word. I had a friend who came from the USSR in high school, my dear friend Lev, who now lives near me in South Florida. I love Lev. When he came from the USSR, he learned English by reading the Bible. He would open a Russian Bible and he would read Hebrew English and with English and he learned English. So he would say to us, it wasn't a very popular language to use in high school. He would say, why do you rebuke me? It was very funny. No other teenagers were using the word rebuke. So hocheach tochiach is a biblical word. We only use the word rebuke as a translation for hocheach tochiach. We have a responsibility, an obligation. When we love the people in our lives and we know they're doing something which could be improved, could be corrected. So don't keep it to yourself. Share it with them. Don't carry a chait. So what does that mean? Hocheach tochiach. Why the double language? Hocheach, then tochiach. So Rav says something fantastic. He says, because when you see someone's done something wrong, first you have to react yourself. First, you have to make a change in your life. You've witnessed, you've observed, you've seen, you've absorbed into you the possibility of what you know is wrong in them. They skip shachras, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. They spoke Lashonara, maybe they speak Lashonara. Someone else you learned watches, looks at things, gazes at things they shouldn't. Okay, so now maybe it's in the realm of possibility for you, whereas beforehand you thought it wasn't. So first, hocheach. First, you have to do something for yourself, then tochiach. Only first when we've reacted for ourselves, then tochiach. Then we are in the position to now be able to do it for 
others. The uh, Tosefta in Mesech Shavuot says, Harod Dvar Mitzvah Zachar Liros, Harod Dvar Avera Mischayev Liros. If you saw a mitzvah, you have to look, but if you saw an Avera, there's a reason. So Rav Mordechai, the Drash, the Drash Mordechai says, what does that mean? If you saw someone doing something wrong, that you too are connected to that mistake. If you learn or you're drawn to, you witness, you observe something that someone's done wrong, it means that that possibility, that that capacity, that that temptation is inside you too. And therefore, if you were entirely disconnected from that mistake, you wouldn't have seen it. The fact that you saw it meant you're tempted by it, something needs to be done about it. A person has to extract himself, react to it, just like the Nazir has to vow to abstain from wine once they saw the Sota. And just like once we witnessed the Egyptians and we lived in Egypt in our Parsha, we lived in Egypt, we saw their Avodah Zarah, we now need to do something strong to remove ourselves. And similarly, if you saw someone doing Yedvar Avera, Hocheyach, first react, pledge, promise, take upon a Kabbalah to uh, offset the impact of that contamination, of that image, of having seen that. And then Tochiyach, only then can we react to someone, to someone else. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along. So that is the warning against idolatry. Uh, keep going. Perek Chavtes, Pasuk Yirchas. We just read it. When you hear the words of this Allah, of this warning, when you hear the words of this curse, so this individual who's flippant, this individual who's tempted by idolatry, the individual who has a casual relationship with Hashem and a casual relationship with His Torah and a casual relationship with the Jewish people will in their own heart, his barich bilvavo lemor, they're going to say in their own heart, Shalomi Eli, ah, I'm at peace with it. I'm good with it. I pick and I choose. I'm off the derech. I'm on my own derech. I have a casual relationship with Yiddishkeit. Shalomi Eli, I'm okay. I'm at peace with it. Kibishrusli bi'elech. I walk as my heart sees fit. I do what I want. Thereby adding the watered upon the thirsty. So Hashem's not going to forgive that individual. They will be the target of this curse. Their name will be, their name will be erased. To whom are these words addressed? I want to share with you a beautiful insight of the Kloizen Begarebbe. The Sans Kloizen Begarebbe Zatzal said the following, in Parshas Netzavim. It says, So Kasha Lachora Haloha Dibra Torah Kan Me Rosham Is Barach Bevavol Zazal Bedivrei Alazos it sounds like the Torah is talking to whom? The Torah is talking to a wicked person, a person who has a flippant, casual relationship with Hashem and His Torah. That's whom the Torah is addressing. Why does this person care? What does the Torah say? That this individual with the casual relationship who says, I'm good with it. I'm at peace with it. I'll do what my heart sees fit. Hashem will not be forgiving will not be willing to forgive the person. One does the Kleisenberg Rebbe Zatzal, why does this Russia care if God will forgive him? I thought the whole idea here, the person is a Russia. The one Hashem is addressing is a wicked person. So if they're a wicked person, if they have a casual relationship with Hashem, why do you care if you're forgiven from Hashem? So so the Kleisenberg Rebbe said, So really, the Kleisenberg Rebbe made a suggestion, how to reread this Pasuk. That the Torah is not addressing the individual with the casual relationship. The Torah is not addressing the Russia, but rather the tzaddik. Torah is talking to the tzaddik, the righteous person. Hashomeya is divrei ha'alazos, vizbarach b'levavo le'mor shalom yeli. 
So the tzaddik hears the Torah's harsh warning to the one who misbehaves. The Torah's harsh warning to the one who's not obedient. And he says to himself, Shalom yeli. And he wrote to Laman Shalom nafshi shali. So the Kaisen Rebbe reinterprets this Pasuk. We're not addressing the Russia, the wicked. We're addressing the Tzaddik, the righteous. And the Torah is saying, the righteous person might say, you know what, that curse, that reaction, that punishment, that consequence, that's reserved for the wicked. But I, the righteous, I'm going to focus on my heart. I'm going to focus on my Ruchnias. I'm going to focus on my life and my spiritual growth. Why do I have to worry about others? Let that divrei ha'Allah zos, let that curse befall the wicked. Why is that my business? Shalom yeli. I'm at peace. Bishrusli bi'elech. I'm going to work only on myself. So, lo ichbis leim chas v'shalom acherim yasudah min aderech. Alav amar. So says the Kloisenberger Rebbe. About such an individual, the Torah says, lo yoveh Hashem sloach lo. Ki chayv adam ligo lidog al atzmo v'gam al chavero. That's what the Torah is talking about. So again, the Kloisenberger's question was, if the individual has thrown off the yoke of Torah, if this individual is dismissive about Hashem's expectations, then why does he care? Why does he care if God is forgiving of him? The answer is, we're not talking about the wicked. We're talking about the righteous. And the righteous does care if God is forgiving. So the Torah is telling us, if you say, if you say, the individual says, what do I care? What do I care about the unaffiliated? What do I care about the assimilated? What do I care about the intermarried? What do I care about the kid who grew up religious but is off the derech, the individual around me who's struggling? What do I care? Shalom yeli. I'm good. I'm at peace. I'm on fire. Bishrusli bielich. I'll worry about my ruchnias. I'll worry about my life. That's whom the Torah is addressing. Said the Kloizim Rebbe. That's who the Torah is saying. Lo Hashem lo. God will not forgive you if that's your attitude. And then he got up and he stood up and he screamed. This was on, uh, in Iyar Tafshin Nun Tes. He got up and he screamed. Couldn't have been in Iyar, but it was Parshas Nitzavim that year. And the Klozenberger Rebbe got up and he screamed. Six million Jews were burnt in Auschwitz. In the Holocaust, they went up in flames. They sacrificed, they paid the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their lives. So said the Kloisenberger Rebbe, he reread this Pasuk, that the Pasuk is not addressing the Russia, the Pasuk is addressing the Tzaddik. And the Pasuk is telling the Tzaddik, you're not entitled, you don't have the luxury of saying you're only going to focus on yourself. That Hashem will not forgive you if you say you're only going to focus on yourself. We lost six million Jews. Already they went up in the flames of Europe. We cannot lose another millions more to assimilation and intermarriage. And the Kozim Rebbe saw this Pasuk, this uh, directive of the Torah, as a mission statement. Lo yoveh Hashem Hashem will be unforgiving of us if we say, Shalom Yeli, I'm at peace. Because all I care about is myself. We have to go out and we have to care. We have to reach out and we have to connect with those who are unaffiliated, who are uninspired, who are turned off, who are disaffected. We have to lift them up. We saw this in last week's parsha. We mentioned the Ramban last week. Cursed is the one who does not uplift the Torah. You interact, you overlap with someone. You could have inspired. You could have made your energy contagious. You could have shared uh, excitement for Torah. And you didn't. You're not neutral. You're not parav. 
you're cursed. Or Hashem will not forgive you, says the close of Bagarebah. In our time, in our generation, the threat and the challenge of assimilation of intermarriage surpass whatever danger there is from anti-Semitism, from Corona combined. Outside the Orthodox, a 70% intermarriage rate. Within our own community, those who are leaving, who are turned off, who are disconnected, who are disaffected, lo Hashem will be unforgiving to us if we dismiss them, if we simply let them go. We have a responsibility, we have an obligation to do all we can. Perak Lamed, next Perak, turn the page. Perak Lamed, page 1090, Pasuk, and this is the actually. Maybe we'll come back to that. The last Pasuk of Perak Chavtes, top of page 1090, one of my favorite Pesukim in the Torah. I don't know if you're allowed to have favorite Pesukim. If you are, this is one of mine. The hidden things are for Hashem. The revealed things are for us and our children. Lasos to do is called the Torah. all the words of this Torah. There are dots over the words Lanu Ulevanenu. Why are there dots? What are the hidden and what are the revealed? Why are some for Hashem and some for us and our children? What does this mean? Maybe we'll come back to it. One of my favorite pesukim. But let's move along. Perak Lamed Pasuk Beis, chapter thirty, verse two. Torah tells us that when you come and all these words, the bracha and the klala I gave you, put them on your heart. Take them to heart among all the nations when Hashem has dispersed you. When we will be in exile, when we are dispersed among the nations, when we are exposed to and vulnerable to the values of our host country and those who surround us, it is critically important to put these ideas in our heart. And if or when we do, the Torah tells us a promise. V'shavta ad Hashem alokecha v'shamata bekolo Shafta is the word tshuva. We read this parsha always before Rosh Hashanah. This is the theme, the essence, is what we're meant to be working on right now. You will return until Hashem. You'll listen to His voice. You'll do what He says. And then Hashem will bring you back, bring back your captivity and have mercy upon us. He will return and gather us from those people. He will bring us back. So when we are dispersed and when we're out and about, then the Shafta, we have an obligation to return to Him. Ad, how far do we have to go? How far do we have to return? What does it mean to return to Him? Ad, Hashem Elokecha. The Rambam says, Veshavta Hashem Elokecha. The Rambam writes the following. Pilchos Tshuva, Perek Beis, Halacha Beis. The Rambam, Maimonides, writes, In Pilchos Tshuva, Perek Beis, Halacha Beis, He writes, Ma'u darko shal tshuva mitis. He writes, Maya tshuva, sheyazov o, the person who made a mistake, the person who had an indiscretion. That individual, what is often translated as the sinner, I hate the word sinner, it's not a Jewish word, it's a Catholic word. The sinner has to return from their sin. We prefer to translate, the one who's made a mistake has to return from their mistake. has to remove it from their mind. By the way, that stems that works perfectly with what we said earlier. That the person who sees the sotas to become a nazir, the person who lived in Egypt and witnessed their moral degradation, has to pledge and promise to be holy. Hocheach tochiach, the person who saw someone make a mistake, first has to hocheach themselves, then tochiach. Similarly here, the Rambam writes, Yasiru mimachshavto. Because the longer that an image remains in our mind, the longer we have a fantasy, a temptation, a desire, then we're likely to act on it. It has to be erased. It has to be addressed. We have to do something to purge it. And to eliminate it. The Yigmar Balibo writes the Rambam, person has to conclude in their heart, od, that they're not going to do it anymore. And so on. And the Rambam writes the person has to have regret, remorse 
for what they did. And listen how he ends. And let the one who knows secrets, who knows secrets, what we just read, to whom? The one who knows the secrets is Hashem. The people around us, we can fool. We can project an image. We can craft and curate an online profile. We can let people believe whatever we want about ourselves. But who knows what's really in our heart? The one who knows the real us, Yodea Alav, Yair Alav, Yodea Ta'lumos. The Yodea Ta'lumos. The Rambam describes Hashem here, not just as Hashem Elokeinu, not as the Ribbon Shalom, the Melech Malchei Hamlochem. We have so many names and appellations for Hashem, but the Rambam describes Him here as Yodea Ta'lumos. The one who knows the secrets. The one who knows what really resides in our heart. The one who has access to the real us. Let him, let Hashem Yaid, let him testify. So how far does tshuva go? The Rambam writes in the second chapter of Hilchah Tshuva. Tshuva must go. The measure of tshuva, the sheer. How do you know if you fulfilled tshuva? Tshuva must go so far that we have regret and remorse for what we did. We have so conclusively, we are determined to never repeat it again, that God, the one who has access to our heart, could testify about us. He's so... That's how confident he is in our conclusion that we would never do it again, that he could testify about us, we would never do it again. That's the Rambam. So the Chida writes from our Pasuk a hint to the Rambam. Why? Our Pasuk says, Vishavta, that we have to return where? How far? Vishavta, return? Ad Hashem Lokecha. Don't read it ad, read it aid, witness. Tshuva. Where did the Rambam know that from? The Rambam writes, What's Tshuva? Tshuva is, you have such remorse and regret, and you have so conclusively determined you'll never do it again, that God himself will testify about you, that you're pure, that you're clean, that you're good to go, that you're not going to do it again. Where'd the Rambam get that from? That that is the sheer, the measure of tshuva? Says the Chidar, Ruchayim Yosef David Azulai, he got it from our parsha. he got it from our Pasuk. Vishavta, we have to return. How far? Ad, Hashem Lakacha, until God. Don't read it ad, read it aid. Until Hashem would be a witness, that's how far we have to. That's how far we have to. We have to go. But look at the shaft at Hashem along the same lines. I told you this new chumash I got. Mikros Gedolas Pardes. Mikros Gedolas Hapardes. I want to thank the editor and publisher again for sharing and sending me a, a copy. Thank you so much to Aaron for your generosity. This beautiful new Mikros Gedolas, as I mentioned last week, has teachings of the Mashemta, the Magad of Mezrit, the Fasemes, the Lubav Cherebi, and the Kute Halachas of the Breslov, and the Gra and the Zohar. It is a all new Mikros Gedolas in addition to the classic commentators. It has some uh, many new ones as well. So the Mashemtov, the best. On our Pasuk, V'shavta Hashem Lokecha, the Baal Shem Tov, in this Numa Gedolas, writes the following, Maylas HaTshuva Gedola Kokach, At Shemesalek Kol HaChoshech, Shaya Nimtza Bo, Lefnei Shechazor B'Tshuva. V'shavta, how far do we have to go back? Ad Hashem Lokecha. We have to return, Tshuva, the root of the word Tshuva is, Lashuv, to return. We have to go back to the purity of our soul. We have to go back to the way we were created. We have to go back to the clean and fresh slate that we started with. We can go back so far that if you walk into a dark room and you light a candle, the light dispels the darkness. There is no hint or illusion. There's no remnant of the darkness at all. When you light a candle in a dark room, you only have light. It's not that you have light 
illuminating the darkness, there is no longer any darkness. All you have is the light. And therefore, says the Bashem Tov, Vishavta, that's how far back we can go. We can illuminate, we can light such a bright light, there is no more dark. We are Adashem Lakacha. And then the Baal Shem Tov continues. We know Chazal tell us that the Baal Shuva, the individual who's fallen and who got back up, and we know that you're not really a tzaddik until you've fallen seven times and gotten back up. So the tzaddik who fell seven times and got back up, they're a Baal Shuva. And in the place the Baal Shuva stands, the Tzadik Gomer. So the person who struggles, the person who confronts temptation, the person who battles with himself, who's lost and won and lost and won, but keeps getting up and doesn't allow themselves to get knocked over and knocked down. That Tzadik, the Tzadik who has been there, who has been on the ground, the Tzadik who has faced and confronted temptation, the desire, the failure, they are in a place that the Tzadik Gomer, that the individual who's never struggled, who's never been tempted, who's never had that conflict, they have no access. So the Vashem Tov explains what does it mean that what does it mean that where the Baal where the individual who fell down and got back up stands the Tzadik Gomor has no right doesn't stand what it means is the following the person who fell down they know what it means to live with fire, with passion, with desire, with drive. They know, because whether, whatever it was fall, whatever knocked him over, whether it was licentiousness, lewdness, promiscuity, whether it was alcohol, drugs, whether it was the temptation of money, of power, whether it was the desire, the temptation to gossip, to slander, whatever knocked him down, when a person is in the throes of temptation, they know what passion looks like. They know what drive is all about. They know the power, they know the power of that addiction. So that individual, that individual, says the Baal Shem Tov, has the ability to take that drive, that passion, that desire, and to channel it for the good, for Torah and for mitzvahs. You see, the Tzad the Gomer, person who never struggled, the person who never stumbled, the person who never fell, they don't know what it means to be addicted. They don't know what it means to have that passion, that desire. They don't know what it means to be so driven. But the individual who's been there, who's been knocked over, they know, now they also know how to bottle it, capture it, channel it and redirect it towards Torah and mitzvahs, therefore they're at a higher level. V'shavta ad Hashem elokecha. The Helega Sfasemes, in the same Mekros Gedolos HaPardes, Sfasemes says the following, Perush sheyesh b'chol ish Yisrael nekuda mekudeshes alav, elav yisborach v'hi nishmas chayim. V'yideh achet misra b'masa achomer v'agash meres al ora neshama, v'hein eichol l'ha'ir, v'lachin k'fi ma shemach zir koach haneshama, liyos miyushevas begufo, kach meir koach haneshama b'shor shalamala. That's what it means, V'shavta. We are a body and we are a soul. And the more we identify as the body, the more we get rid of, we dispel the soul. The more that we return and restore the soul to our body, then the more we are returning to Hashem. And that's why the language is Veshavta. Where are you going back to? What are you putting back in? What are you replacing? Veshavta at Hashem Lokecha. It is the Koach HaNeshama. It is the Chelek Elokami Ma'al Mamish. It is the godliness and the spirit inside us, literally, that we are taking back and putting back, that we are restoring uh, the soul back into our body. But Salavechik also comments on these words, Veshavta Ad Hashem Lokecha, that we have to return. And where do we return? And how far do we return? Ad Hashem Lokecha. And says of Salavechik the following. The Medrash Psikta Rav Kahana records the following conversation. I'll read it to you in the English. Yisrael said before Ribbon Shalom, Master of the universe, if we repent, who testifies for us? 
So Hashem said, I'll testify for you. As it says, return unto Ad, the Lord your God, the Lord is your witness. Ad, Aid. Gemara Yuma Daf Peva brings a different homily based on the same Pasuk. Great is Tshuva, it reaches the Kisei HaKavod, because it says, V'shavta Ad, Hashem Lokecha. Where's the source of the idea? Where'd the Gemara Yuma get this from? There's a significant difference between the words Ad and El. Rav Soloveitchik very astutely points out, I would have thought the Pasuk should say, V'shavta, return, El, Hashem Lokecha. To whom? To where? To God. V'shavta, return, El, Hashem Lokecha. But it doesn't say El, it says Ad. The word El too means I'm going in a specific direction. I've not yet reached my goal. While the word Ad means I've already reached that goal, that my hands can reach out and to say even touch the throne of glory itself. When the Ramah speaks of the repentant cinder, it says we are, we are to have dvekas, we cling unto the Shekhinah. Hilchus Tshuva Perek Zayin. One who has repented cleaves and is united with the presence of God. But a connection with the Shekhinah is brought about in one way only, through the enactment of a covenant. Without enacting a covenant, it's impossible to achieve the unique state that characterizes the relationship between Hashem and man, epitomized in the Pasuk, This is the significance of the Pesik Tadurav Kahana. How may a Jew achieve this state of being Ad Hashem Elokecha? So again, not El, we're not just going in the direction, the trajectory towards Hashem, but we have the ability to go not just El, but Ad, that we can cling, we can cleave, we can connect, we could reach out and touch and be touched by Hashem. Is it possible for any human being to really cleave onto the Shekhinah? A union of the sort can only be achieved by renewal of the covenant with Hashem. And this can be accomplished through the act of perfect tshuva, which brings man not only to God, but unto God. Psh. El Hashem is to God. Ad Hashem is unto God. So tshuva has the capacity. Tshuva has the ability to not only set us in the direction to El, but unto Ad so writes Rav Salavechik, Judaism, Yadus, Yiddishkeit, rests on three attributes of the individual, signified by the head, the hand, and the heart. The head involves the intellectual discipline inherent in Judaism. An ignoramus cannot be a good Jew. Again, an ignoramus cannot be a good Jew. The ideal of Talmud Torah involves the highest levels of logic, the ability to think abstractly, analytically, and conceptually. The rigor of Torah learning is equivalent to and perhaps surpasses the modern, most modern and philosophical methods. The learning of Torah is therefore nothing less than the sanctification of the mind through intellectual struggle. The hand involves mitzvah performance. In this respect, many balachuva excel, being vigilant to keep those mitzvahs that are difficult as well as those that are easy, all with precision. Through such performance, a person's hands are sanctified. However, writes Rav Salavechik, although one can find the first two attributes in abundance today, it is the third aspect which is wanting among contemporary American Jews. The heart involves experiencing Hashem emotionally. Gemara Sanhedrin says, Rahmana libaboy. What does Hashem want? He wants our heart. One must feel the emotional pull of the Ribbon Shalom. As William James put it, the presence of the unseen. Can a Jew genuinely feel his presence? Based on my own personal experience, says the Rav, the encounter with Hashem is eminently possible. Man not only must believe in God, he must feel God's hand supporting his head during times of emotional turmoil. Potential Bali Tshuva pine for the sublime sense of hearing Hashem's whisper. The experience of Ad Hashem involves the very real perception of contact, communication, and dialogue. This sensation is expressed in the Talmudic passage that great is Tshuva, it reaches at Kisei HaKavod. 
Without my feeling the presence of Hashem in 1967, when I suffered the loss of my mother, brother, and my wife all in the same year, I would not have been able to maintain my emotional equilibrium. The perception of Hashem's proximity was particularly strong during the study of Torah. While poring over the opinions of Abaya and Rava, I sensed His presence in the room. This passage by Rav Salavechik is so powerful, is so beautiful. Vishavta, not El, Hashem Elokecha, Vishavta Ad. That when we return to Hashem, when we turn to Him, when we lean into Him, we're not just leaning towards Him, we're not just leaning to Him, we're leaning onto Him. To Him means He's far away, we're heading in the direction. To lean onto Him means that we're connected with Him. He is our support system. We're leaning on Him, we're leaning onto Him. So therefore, Vishav Ad Hashem Lokecha. It's not El, it's Vishav Ad. And the Rav here so poignantly writes, the head intellectually, academically, cognitively, Torah, we're learning Torah, analyzing Torah, academic Torah. We have Torah at the highest levels. And the hands, the actions, the chesed, the the mitzvahs that we're doing, vigilance with precision, with chumras, beautiful. But what about the heart? Rahman Ali Baboi. Hashem wants us Vishavta in this time of Elul, in this countdown to Rosh Hashanah. It's not just being more careful and more scrupulous with the mitzvahs we do. It's not just more learning Torah in our head, in our mind. But what about our heart? Are we connected? Do we have a relationship? Are we talking with him? Are we Ad or are we only El? And here he describes, you know, when the Rav, it's not here in the passage in the Chumash, but he talks about in the Boston, the, the Bachram of Yeshiva Srebitzka would go up to Boston to learn with the Rav in the summers. And every summer they would decide what they were going to learn together. The Rav, the great sign of the Brisker methodology, the great Brisker. So the Rav, of course, his, his Torah, his Lamdus, was arguably unparalleled in his lifetime. But he would ask what they'd want to learn. And one summer the Rav said, you know what? I want to learn Tanya. He taught the Tanya. The Rav grew up in Chaslovich, he had Lubavitch Malamed. He knew Tanya back and forward. He wanted to learn Tanya. But a few days later, the Bachram rebelled. And now they wanted to go back to the Gemara. They wanted to go back to Brisker Lamdus. And the Rav later bemoaned. He said, my Talmidim, they're only interested in what's in my head. They're not interested in what's in my heart. They're only interested in what's in my head. They're not interested in what's in my heart. Hashem wants what's in our heart. Rahman Aliba Boy. It's not just our head, it's our heart. And how do our heart? Ad Hashem Alokecha. It's with our heart that we lean on God. It's with our heart that we don't just go to God, but we fall onto God. And we cleave with God. And that Shiva could take us so far. Ad Kiseyakavod. I'll give a shameless plug that the four episodes of Behind the Bima, the interviews that we've had, Yosef Mendelovich, who four weeks ago talked about what it was like to be on a hunger strike in a Siberian prison for 56 days and how he leaned on Hashem in that time. The hunger strike was really a tanis, a fast for God. And then we had Mariano Rivera, a non-Jew who cannot say a sentence without mentioning God's name. Talks about God and the winning and the losses. Hall of Fame pitcher, who you have to listen to that interview. And then last week, Rav Moshe Weinberger, psh, the great Mordor Varabi Rav Moshe Weinberger, Shlita, fire about what it means to live a life connected Ad Hashem Elokecha. And then lastly, tomorrow night, we're interviewing Cheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, who talks to us about the fact that she doesn't know if she really believed in God until her husband dropped dead out of nowhere, until she lost her husband, a blessed memory. And that's when she leaned in and leaned on God, onto Ad Hashem Elokecha. You want to grow, you want to be Machazik Yeramuna, all four of these interviews you really want to listen to. Excuse the shameless plug. The Shav to Ad Hashem Elokecha, such a beautiful, beautiful passage. 
of Rav Salavechik. Moving right along. Perak Lamed, Pasuk Vav. Next Pasuk. Umal Hashem lokecha levavcha es levav zarecha. Liavas Hashem lokecha b'chol levavcha b'chol nafshcha l'man chayecha. Hashem, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children to love Hashem with all of your heart, with all of your soul, so that you may live. B'chol levavcha b'chol nafshcha l'man chayecha. Umal Hashem. He's going to circumcise our heart. So the Balaturim says here, says the Balaturim, Es levavcha, the es levav. He will circumcise our heart and the heart of our children. Says the Balaturim, Es levavcha, the es levav, are Rashi Tevos, Elul. Es levavcha, the es levav, Rashi Tevos, is an acronym for Elul. Lekach, says the Balaturim, Lekach, therefore, Nagu lahashkim lespao slichos me Elul ve'eloch. Therefore, the minig is to wake up early to say Slichos in the month of Elul. Because the Rashi Tevos, because Elul is an acronym for Es Levavcha the Es Levav, therefore we wake up early in order to say Slichos in the morning. Excuse me? What's the therefore? Q! Es Levavcha the Es Levav. Elul. Everyone knows Elul is an acronym for Anila Dodiva Dodili. It's an acronym for Ishlarei Matanas Avionim. It's an acronym I saw last week's parsha. I think it's the Chidah in last week's parsha who says it's an acronym for Aznayim Lishmoa Veinayim Leiv Ladas. What is it? Elul. Aznayim Lishmoa Veleiv Ladas. Elul. Aznayim Lishmoa Veleiv Ladas. Elul is an acronym for many, many different things. So Kupalatur Es Levav Chabes Levav is an acronym for Elul. What's the Lekach? Therefore, Wake up early to say slichos in the morning. What is the therefore? So the sefer called Avnei Chain. The Avnei Chain asks that question. He gives the following answer. He says the Torah is connecting. Where is the place of the Yitzhahara? It's in the heart. The Yitzhahara is in the heart. In fact, Levavcha. Here in our parsha, we had that word Levavcha so many times. We've just read that word Levavcha. Hashibos El Levavcha. Bechol Levavcha uvechol Nafshecha. If you listen to Sitter Snippets, boy, are we shamelessly plugging this morning, then you know that in Shema we're up to the Ahafti, you have to love Hashem. Why? The Gemara asked that question. Why not with your one heart? Why? Here in our Parshim Mitzavim, over and over and over again, says your two hearts. Why not your one heart? The answer is, we have a Yetzar Tov and a Yetzar We have two hearts. Not anatomically, not physically, biologically. Spiritually, we have two hearts. We have the Yetzar HaTov, the drive for good, and the Yetzar the drive for not so good. So where is the Yetzar found? It's found in the heart. It's in the heart. Es Levavcha, the Es Levav. You need to mull, circumcise, peel off the layer, remove the Yetzar that can be found in the heart. What is one of the biggest Yetzirahs that we have, he writes? We have a huge Yetzirah to stay in bed, to sleep, to blow off slichos. People blow off slichos for lots of reasons. Some because they're helping do carpool. Some because they're helping do surgery. Some because they've scheduled their day to have their chavrusa at that time. People blow it off because uh, they're helping the widow, the orphan, the poor person. They're doing it because they think they need their sleep in order to be healthy. There are a lot of reasons, excuses, rationalizations we have to blow off waking up early for slichos instead of scheduling our day and ensuring we get enough sleep and getting it all in because this is the crunch time, high intensity time, they blow it off. So where is the Yitzhahara that tries to convince us to blow off slichos? It's in our heart. Es levavcha, the es levav. Lekach, nagu lahashkim. What's the answer, the antidote? Elul, es levavcha, es levav, wake up early. 
wake up early. That's the Lakach, he says, within the Balaturim, it's not just a cute acronym, Elul, Eslavav, Eslavav, but it's also Lakach. Therefore, the antidote, the answer is to wake up early and to make a difference. The great Kotz Rebbe, Rav Menachem Mendel of Kotz, in our new Sefer, Emez Ve'emunah, the Hilgit Kotzker says, Doesn't it say in Parshas Ekev already, Doesn't it say that Hashem is the one who's going to do it? So first Hashem commanded us, And now it says, Who's the one who's going to circumcise our hearts? Is God going to circumcise our hearts? Or are we obligated to circumcise our hearts? Is it umaltem as our last lavavchem, parshas ekev? Or is it umal Hashem lokecha, parshas netzavim? Which is it? Asks the Hilga Katska Rebbe. Omar, so he says, Kichiyav al Adam ba'atzma lahaser is otum lavavo, she a clean mucha in the Kabbalah sakadusha. Our heart has a covering. Our heart has a hard shell. We have to remove the covering. We have to remove that hard shell. We have to expose our soft heart. And here it says, Only in Parshas Ekev it says, We have to remove the Orla, we remove the covering, and then Hashem is Umaltem Es Levavcha. We remove the covering of our heart, and then Hashem helps purify the heart itself. We have to take that first step. We have to initiate. We have to show our interest and our desire. And then Hashem does the rest from there. Hashem takes it from there. Torah then tells us that this mitzvah of tshuva, ki mitzvah azos, this great mitzvah that we think is so far away, is so inaccessible, is so distant. Lo it's not in the heavens. That you'll say who can go up to the heavens to get it. It's not on the other side of the sea. Kikar ve'lacha davar ma'od, amazing Eitan Katz song. Kikar ve'lacha davar ma'od b'ficha uv'levavcha la'asoso. This mitzvah, what mitzvah? Kiyam mitzvah azos. Torah intentionally leaves it ambiguous, mysterious. What mitzvah are we talking about? Kiyam mitzvah azos. Which mitzvah? The Ramban says we're talking about the mitzvah of tshuva. How do you know? Because it's b'ficha uv'levavcha. What mitzvah is in our mouth and our heart? The mitzvah of tshuva, because that's vidui, confession, admission. It's in our heart and it's in our mouth. It must be the mitzvah of tshuva, the mitzvah of vidoy. That's what feels like it's so far away and so difficult, but it's doable. It is accessible. We have it. We can take care of it. So the Kotzker says, Lo hi. Listen to this Kotzker. HaTorah einena eitzel osum yehudim achoshvim ad marom. Lo hi. The Torah is not for those people who have their head in the clouds. The Torah is not for those people who are arrogant, who have inflated egos, who think they're so great. Lo hi. The Torah is not found among those who think they're so great that their heads are in the heavens, their heads are in the clouds. Where is it? Beficha uvelvavcha. So it says the Kotzker on these words, I love this Kotzker too. Beficha uvelvavcha. It's important, you got to talk a big game. Talk Torah, talk Emuna, talk Tvekos, talk Devei Torah. It's important, talk about it. Bevavcha. You have to have a good heart, kind heart, sensitive heart, caring heart, faithful heart. But you know what the mouth and the heart have to do? Beficha uvelvavcha. It's just lip service. And it's just inside your heart, unless la asoso. Beficha uvelvavcha la asoso. Tira lasos. Lorak bedibur uvemachshava. Rak lasos. Says the Kotzker somewhat cynically. It's not enough to be beficha. It's not just in your mouth. You can't just talk a big game. Uvelvavcha. And you can't just talk about what's in your heart. There are people who tell me, Rabbi, you don't know me. But in my heart, psh, I'm, the, I'm the firmest person you know. I'm the most. 
observant person you know. In my heart, I have the most amun of anyone you know. I was, that's lovely. I'm sure your heart will go to Shemayim. What about the rest of you? Your heart's a good place. It's a good start. It's a good beginning. But it can't just be beficha, says the Katzker. It can't just be lip service. It can't just be beficha. And it can't just be bilvavcha. It can't just be in our heart. La'asoso. In the end of the day, it has to be something that drives us. La'asoso. To do, to achieve, to accomplish. Beficha u vilvavcha. All right, there's a lot more to share, but we are going to stop here because there's a lot to prepare. Hashanah, Shabbat and more. Join us tomorrow morning for 10 minutes of Mesilus Hashanah at 8.15. Then 8.45, we go to Living with Amuna. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m., we're going behind the Bima with the COO of Facebook, Cheryl Sandberg. If you would like to be notified in real time when we go live, please, if you have not yet, take a moment. Subscribe on YouTube. Just hit the subscribe button. You will be subscribed. You'll be notified every time we go live to be able to learn and grow together. Thank you again to all of our sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, a future shear, all you have to do is click brsonline.org slash sponsor, brsonline.org slash sponsor. Also, as I've been sharing, if you'd like to see a PDF notes of the Parsha Perspective shear, if you want to be able to print out, beautifully laid out by my dear friend Matthew Miller, if you want to be able to share at your Shabbos table and have the notes prepared, then subscribe to our newsletter at rabbiefromgoldberg.org, rabbiefromgoldberg.org. You'll get a newsletter every Thursday morning, early in the morning, with a PDF of the notes of the Parsha. You can print it out, bring it to your Shabbos table. It is a beautiful compliment to listening or watching to the Parsha Shir. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.